0: I'm SP from the GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is part of the GunnaGeek.com network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geek shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 193 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we get some windinger help in telling our story.
1: In this week's non-wingdinger Better Podcasting download, we D's it up.
0: And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we discuss some recent Discord feedback and give a tip of the hat to a great loyal listener.
1: Lauren, start the show now. But first, I have to mention, Damien really wants me to talk about him. He really does.
2: Welcome to Better Podcasting, a show where we talk about podcast tips, tools and best practices to help you succeed with your podcast what makes us different well just like you we podcast purely out of the love and fun of it podcasting is our hobby and we recognize that it's yours too we always encourage your questions and feedback and you can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com here's your host for the show Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer
1: Welcome to episode 193 of Better Podcasting. I am Steven John Drew, and I am pleased to say that the legend Stargate Pioneer is, of course, carrying me again this week.
0: Please call me SP, and I'm glad you're back in the studio so that we can record a normal episode of Better Podcasting.
1: Let me just go ahead and start off and say last week's episode was wonderful. I really, really, truly enjoyed it. Uh, it was something that I was the one that edited it last week, but I would have listened to it multiple times even without editing it because I edited it, I edited it and then I also went and I played it back and I played it back again just for my own enjoyment because there was fantastic information there. It was really awesome having Jen on the show. And uh, I know I posted it out there and said that Jen did a wonderful job. And thank you very much, Jen, for filling in last week. There was a lot of solid information in there. And I think it will be a resource that we refer to many times in the future. So thank you very much, Jen.
0: It was great having her on. And I look forward to the possibility of having her on again in the future and possibly with her co-host, too, Angela, over there on Anomaly Podcast. And if you liked the interview, please reach out to her and say, How much you enjoyed her spot on Better Podcasting. So, what we start off every show with is a How I Save My Podcast story. And usually we get this from our audience. Sometimes we have to go into the interwebs and find it from Reddit or from some podcast forum out there of some sort. But this week we didn't have to do that because we have multiple How I Save My Podcast stories that are stacked up. We're gonna start with the first one. We got an email from Stephen R. Orr, and it's a little bit of a lengthy email. I'm going to read through it as fast as I can. There's a lot of golden nuggets in here, but this is his How I Save My Podcast story. Quote, My name is Stephen Orr. Thirteen years ago, I began podcasting. I did a comic book podcast called Just Another Fanboy, and it lasted about two years. I gained a small but dedicated podcast and enjoyed myself quite a bit. But then life happened. And I walked away. This past September, I jumped back into podcasting with both feet. I no longer had all that I had 13 years ago, meaning I didn't have a quiet place I could go to record. So I decided to record in my car using my phone. I was actually quite surprised with how well it sounded. So without getting any shows under my belt or really planning anything at all, I launched a comic book podcast called the Stephen or Else podcast. It was going great. The only drawback I found beyond the freezing cold temperatures during the dead of winter in eastern Kansas, I wasn't able to spend a lot of time doing what I really wanted to do, which was record sketches and make more of big entertaining show out of the whole thing. Instead, it was me in my car talking about comics and such. But still, I was having fun and that's all that matters, right? Then. Winter turned to spring, and I quickly realized the one dreadful fact about podcasting in the car that I hadn't thought about at all—the unbearable heat. I had to think of something if I wanted to continue with the show without my skin boiling off. Well, I'd been hearing rumors about our local library and an apparent recording studio in the basement. I decided to look into it and found, to my great pleasure, the rumors were true. The public library in Lawrence, Kansas, had gone through a major remodel a few years back, and during this process, a sound engineer built a studio in the basement. There was a large room for bands and a small room for folks who wanted to do spoken word, audiobooks, and podcasts. Furthermore, because I had a library card, I could book the small studio for three hours at a time, four times a month. Here was my chance. Not only could I record in relative comfort, I might actually be able to record the kind of show I wanted to record, but this time I wanted to do it right. That meant that I needed time to plan and create what I wanted to create. So I announced to the listeners that I was going on hiatus. I was going to be gone for a little over two months, but I didn't want to be completely gone in those two months. So I put together a few best of episodes and started to plan. First, I wanted to completely relaunch, but I wasn't sure if something like that had ever been done before or how I might want to do it. Do I keep the old episodes in the feed and start a season two? Do I start from scratch with a new service provider? I was all confused and frustrated and ready to pull out my beard. So I did the obvious. I emailed y'all at better podcasting with these questions. Start. Stargate Pioneer promptly responded with some great information about all of my options, which helped me gain the confidence I needed to make the decision. I officially changed the name of the show from the Stephen or Else podcast to Stephen or Else. Not a big change, but a change nonetheless. Besides, I already owned the URL. Then I deleted my entire back catalog of episodes. After that, I started writing and recording. Once I'd gone through my... You best of episodes on the feed. I posted a couple of teasers for the new show and then a trailer. And so by the time I officially launched on July 22nd, I had six episodes recorded, edited and in the can. I've only released three of the episodes so far. Well, episode three drops on Monday, the 5th of August, and it's too soon to tell if the show is going to garner any more listeners than before or even keep the ones I had to begin with. But here's the thing. I'm way happier. I'm creating stuff I'm really proud of, and I'm sharing them with people. And people are listening. So that's how I save my podcast for myself. Thanks, stevenorelse.com, unquote. All right, that was a long How I save My Podcast story email. We would prefer them in video or audio, but we'll take the email here. Steven, there is a lot of golden nuggets in here, and he not only saved his podcast once, but probably several times. So what do you think about his journey here?
1: Well, first off, I want to go ahead and say if anybody wants me to copy that email and and send it off, I'm going to go ahead and do it because we just read it out word for word and I'll gladly send it to you because there are so many good nuggets in here that you might want to analyze that again. I think that this is amazing that we had somebody send us such a detailed email that shows really regrouping a podcast, but also doing some creative problem solving such as a library nugget, there. I think that that's something that I've actually seen you, SP, already since this email pass along to somebody else as a suggestion to solve their problem.
0: It's not always available, but it is a good option to go check out. It might not even be in your immediate town if you're in a larger metropolitan area with several cities with several libraries or a rural area that you have a couple of libraries within a driving distance it would be worth at least calling and asking if they have something akin to a recording space. Now, I've heard from different peoples in large cities that they have had libraries built 100 years ago with really high ceilings, high walls or solid walls that sounds just bounce off of them. As a matter of fact, some of the newer ones with a lot of windows are the same way, too. So I would go, I would look at them, and I would see if I would have to mitigate any reverb or echo Or maybe it is an actual sound booth, which would be awesome. And then you don't know if you have to bring your own gear or if they have gear there available for you. So you got to check that all out. It's all locally based. I can't say that, oh, my library has one. You should check one out too. There's no standardization in this in the country, but it is an option that I'm hearing more and more and more. And like Steven said in the email, it could be for a variety of reasons, creating music, creating podcasts, audio books, maybe doing some voiceover work. I mean, it's all applicable to a sound booth type application. So that is a key. If you have nowhere else to record, you can always try your local library. Or if you're a student, you can try your university or school library.
1: So thank you for sending that very much. And if you have a How I save My Podcast story for us, please get in touch with us through any of the ways you can go ahead and find that at betterpodcasting.com. And yeah, video or audio would be great, like SP said. Let's go ahead and move on to our featured segment this week.
0: In the hobby podcasting space, there is a substantial genre called audio dramas. And these are podcasts that are basically serialized chapters telling an ongoing story. And they're very similar to your weekly television shows, which you're used to. They could be improv. Comedy, fiction, mystery, science fiction, you name it, it's out there. And audio dramas are not new. In fact, they've been around for almost 100 years, starting somewhere in radio in 1921. We know that there are many, many, many hobby podcasters that produce, write, or voice for audio dramas. I have a few favorites that I listen to, and honestly, the list seems to grow almost every day. But the simple fact is, neither myself nor Steven have ever produced or taken part in an audio drama. But we still wanted to give our listeners a resource they could refer to if they were interested in creating an audio drama or incorporating aspects of audio dramas into their existing shows. So we used a lifeline, we called a friend, and today I'm very excited to introduce noted audio drama producer, writer, voice talent, fellow how to podcaster. And speaker, Sarah Ray Werner. Now, Sarah is self-employed, provides professional coaching service, hosts and produce the Right Now podcast about writing, authors articles in Forbes about podcasting. How cool is that? And her creative outlet is the stunning and highly successful Girl in Space audio drama in which she voices one of the main characters, X. She's uniquely qualified on our show to discuss audio dramas, and we are very excited to have grab some time with her on the microphone today. Welcome to Better Podcasting, Sarah.
3: Oh, my gosh. Um, SP, thank you so, so much for that beautiful introduction. Um, I hope I can live up to it. (laughs) Um, I'm very excited to be here with both of you today. Thank you again. I got a
0: question to start you off, Sarah. Now, you produce Girl in Space. What drove you to the audio drama genre and to actually produce Girl in Space?
3: So I started podcasting back in mm, 2013, I think, with the Right Now podcast, and I didn't actually launch it until 2015, but I was podcasting technically without releasing it uh, back then. And I had gotten into it because... Um, I wanted a space, I wanted a platform where I could talk to people and where I could actually be heard. Um, I'd been a blogger before and it was not a successful venture for me. Um, but I found success in podcasting where I hadn't found it in blogging and in writing online. And so in 20, let's see, 2016, maybe, 2015 or 2016, uh, I, I interviewed a writer for the Right Now podcast named Paul Sading. And he was an audio Writer and producer. And I was like, oh, there's fictional podcasts. Tell me more. And um, he started really weaving this beautiful tale of like, yeah, you know, I was a writer and I wanted to be successful in writing. Um, but I wasn't, and so I turned to audio drama, and I have a voice there. I was like, oh, that sounds like my original journey from blogger to podcaster. I wonder if, as a person who loves writing fiction, uh, what it would be like to experiment in this genre and to experiment with podcasting and fiction. And so um, I took a dive in, because that's how I do everything, is I just dive in and experiment and and uh, fail along the way. Uh, And I was really prepared for Girl in Space to fail. So it was just going to be me in front of a microphone saying, like, hello, I'm in space, and this is fun. And, oh, what does this button do? And, like, launch the show from there. And to my surprise, it took off. And so um, I didn't have a lot prepared. And so even to this day, I still uh, write episodes sort of as they come out. Um, but that's probably uh, getting a little bit ahead of myself. So uh, that's kind of how I got into uh, fictional podcasting. I sort of stumbled into it with, with a sense of adventure. And uh, this, it's gotten me to a lot of interesting new places.
0: I really have enjoyed listening to it. I'm looking forward to the season one finale to come out pretty soon. As, as you said, it's a season one finale. There's more to come in the future. But you said you started to voice your character. It was just you there. And X is the character that you play on Girl in Space that you're a voice talent for. And one could argue that she is either the main character or one of the main characters in the show. What's it like to voice a main character in your own story that you created?
3: I feel weird about it, and I'm going to be honest about that. Like, I feel really weird about it because of people. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with Tommy Wiseau and The Room, which is a movie that uh, this wonderful gentleman uh, wrote and starred in, and he like did everything himself, and. I'm really sensitive to stuff like that. That movie ended up being a disaster and they actually made a movie about the movie called The Disaster Artist. And I am very conscious of being my own disaster artist. I never want to be like that egotistical person who's like, well, I must write, direct, and star in it because I'm that amazing. Um, Basically, I I ended up doing that because of a lack of resources. Um, I was brand new to audio drama. I didn't know a, I didn't know any actors. B, I didn't know how to do a casting call. C, at the time, I didn't even know what a casting call was. I was that much of a newbie to uh, theater and producing. And so I was like, well, it, it's me and my microphone, and that's what I'm used to, and so that's what it's going to be. And it was sort of um, just a limitation that ended up uh, working out kind of okay. <laughs>
1: So we have a lot of people who check out the show that are trying to figure out the ropes of podcasting in itself without figuring out the ropes of an audio drama. It sounds like you took a whole bunch on when you started at one time. Is that correct?
3: Yes. And and maybe it was uh, sort of an ignorance is bliss situation <laughs> that I didn't know what I was getting into <laughs> uh, because we all know that podcasting is hard and it's a lot of work. And but it's it's fun work and it's work that we love doing audio drama like dials that up to 11. Like, audio drama, um, because you're not only doing the podcast and the editing and the work and the planning and all of that stuff, and you're getting into your DAW, but you are also, you're adding in hours of writing, you're adding in coordination with actors. Um, If you're already coordinating with interviewees on your show, you might already have a taste of what that's like, but it takes a lot longer than you think it will. Um, And then, like, stitching together... uh, you know, editing and sound design is a whole new element, finding music. Um, It's just this, I had no idea what I was getting into. And I'm really glad I had no idea what I was getting into because I don't want to say I might not, I might not have done it because it's been such a rich and rewarding experience, but um, ignorance was bliss. We'll just say that.
1: So with taking on so much then right at the beginning, did you find yourself taking it all on yourself or did you have any lifelines yourself to that you could all on at all?
3: Actually, so I'm shaking my head no, um, but actually, yes, I um, the person who talked me into this fiasco, Paul Sading, uh, who at the time had, I think, two podcasts, he had Diary of a Madman and he had Subject Found, which is about Bigfoot, um, I was like, hey, so Paul, you talked me into doing this. Please help me. And he introduced me to some other people who were making uh, podcasts sort of on the indie way that I was making them, who were doing their own acting, who were doing their own artwork, who were doing their own uh, editing and producing and all of that stuff. Um, Jamie Spine or Jamie Killen from Spines was one of those people, uh, Drift and Ramble Um, the Tunnels podcast. Um, So he just sort of started introducing me to people he knew. And I started realizing how important it was to have a support network uh, within this community, especially if you're looking to take on, I mean, each 30-minute episode of Girl in Space takes over 100 hours of writing and production and coordination and marketing uh, and editing and all of that stuff. And so having a support system, having other people who are doing the same thing that you're doing in the space and who can mentor you through it is really critical. It's really critical. So being a part of the community in podcasting is fantastic and audio drama, it's essential.
0: Perhaps we need to back up a second. I mean, I did a short introduction, but maybe we need to tell our listeners in your own words, Sarah, since you're the expert here, what is an audio drama and how would you define them as being different or the same for hobby podcasters?
3: An audio drama is a fictional podcast, so it's a podcast that tells a story, and it can take any sort of format. And that's also not to say that traditional podcasts or non-fictional podcasts don't tell stories, because they do. We are in the business of storytelling, all of us together. Um, But audio drama is a little bit different from a more traditional non-fiction podcast in that it has a few more elements. Um, It has a script that you follow. Um, It has voice actors who are playing different parts. Um, But I I don't want to speak to it um, in a way that excludes any of these elements from traditional or nonfiction podcasting. Um, It's it's still... um, I've listened to so many wonderful nonfiction podcasts that have um, a beautiful musical score. They have, um, you know, a great intro song sometimes. They have reenactments of events, especially in the true crime genre. Um, and, and so th- I'm noticing, uh, there's a little bit of a weaving together or or a little bit of a gray area between uh, fictional and non-fictional podcasting, but your typical elements of that fictional podcast or that audio drama are going to be um, a cast. There's going to probably be some sort of score or ambient sounds uh, throughout. There's going to be a significant amount of production value, uh, and that is going to be in the sound design uh, because you're essentially creating a fictional world. so when I'm doing my nonfiction podcast, there's sounds behind me. Um, sometimes I live on a graveyard, and sometimes the gentleman who owns the graveyard will be back there, like ripping up graves or turning on the chainsaws or what have you. And so that becomes part of the atmosphere of my nonfictional show. Uh, whereas in Girl in Space, I manufacture everything. I have to. Um, I've created a sound library of like cloth moving. I have um, footsteps. I have all sorts of different things. I have the background of the spaceship. Um, And so it's just a lot, you have to be a lot more intentional about where you're placing the sounds because those end up being statements and characters and part of the storytelling in and of themselves. So I could probably talk about this for 10 more hours, um, (laughs) but I would love to keep answering questions if you had anything else specific. I do have a question following up
1: to that one right there, which is um, how often do you find yourself once you've gone and you've sort of laid those sounds and, and laid that music or whatever how often do you find yourself going after you've previewed it back, making changes for timing purposes? does Does it happen often
3: constantly. and so and that's actually a really good. Um, question asked because it's it's something that in audio drama you kind of have to think about it's are you going to have your actors all around a table recording together doing a table read or are you going to have all of your actors recording remotely and then sending you in their lines and then you stitch them together Um, i do the latter just because i live in the midwest and i don't have access to a lot of actors in person um, I mean, if you're in New York or L.A., it's probably a lot easier to get people together and do table reads. But for me, um, I have people send me their audio and then I stitch it together. And so I am constantly playing around with like, all right, this this is the best take of this line and this snippet needs to go here and I'll have to listen to that. Like, oh, nope, if they were in person, they might be talking over each other a little bit more. So I'll like have to adjust that to create either um, crosstalk, which is two people talking over each other which is very natural. um, And you sort of have to have if you want it to sound realistic. And then silence. Silence is a big part of things, too. I know that in my traditional podcast, uh, the Right Now podcast, I try not to have a lot of silence unless I'm making a really important point and I want to hammer it home. And I'll leave a few spaces of silence for that impact. Um, But silence can tell its own story in a fictional story. That white space can be very important for digesting important points, for showing you isolation, um, because the sound needs to replace the visual. And so um, timing is so crucial and so important. And timing, um, when you're editing, when you're stitching together these sounds, when you're doing the sound design, it's just as important as writing the script. So
0: it's not just placing everything. Okay, so I'm going to talk to the engineers out there. It's not just placing the different aspects in a multi-track file. You're really trying to paint the atmosphere and the story with sound, right?
3: Yes, absolutely. And in that, timing is everything. And natural timing is everything. Unless you're doing it for comedic effect or anything like that, where you want things to be slightly off. I don't know. Um, But it's... Yes, (laughs) it's very intricate and, uh, but it's very fun. It's very fun.
0: Okay. So you mentioned this script and we haven't talked about that yet. Let's talk about writing this script for a fictional audio drama. Is it like a novel where you need to know where you end up or do you plan it as you go? I mean, you kind of said that what, which one would you recommend or does it matter?
3: Every person I've talked to who writes audio drama does it slightly differently. And so this is one of those things where whatever works best for you, um, that's what I would advise doing. Uh, With that in mind, you should probably know what the different. Techniques are. Um, so on one side of the spectrum, we have what we call plotters. Plotters are people who have a full outline of the show. They're like, this is where I want it to start, and I want it to end with this specific image, with like everybody dying alone in the desert. It's going to be tragic and wonderful. And that's the point I'm leading up to. And each episode needs to be 30 pages because that translates to 30 minutes. And I'm going to do this in episode three, and this, and oh, and it's going to be great. This is how this character's Going to develop in episode seven. So you have people who are plotting and doing a really great job. And then you have people like me who are really bad at planning, like, like epically terrible at planning. And so I'm what's called on the other side of the spectrum. I am a pantser, which means that I write by the seat of my pants. As a pantser, I would not advise this to anybody who is in any way organized. Um there And there's ups and downs to being a plotter and to being a pantser. Uh, plotters know what they're doing. They can work towards something. They're more organized. They can say, hey, I realize I'm going to need this actor and this actor and this actor for episode 10, so I'd better start lining that up right now. Um, they also probably uh, will write their episodes ahead of time. For me as a pantser, um, I write an episode, and then I record it, and I produce it, and I release it. And then I'm like, well, I should probably start thinking about the next episode. Um, Um, so that's been, that's been my approach. That's just how I create. I am not good at outlining. I'm not good at planning. If you are, take advantage of that and please do it. Um, pantsing can be very stressful. Um, a lot of my listeners have noticed that the last time Girl in Space released an episode was December, 2018, uh, it's taken me eight months to create the season one finale. Um, I went through nine rewrites. It's a 74 page script, which means it's going to be over an hour episode. Um, I had some actors drop out, which was terrifying. No. Um, so it, it's, yeah. Yeah, Ugh. It's it's been, uh, mm hmm.
0: So did you have to recast or did you write them out or how'd you deal with that?
3: Oh my gosh. Um, So I had two actors. Um, One actor uh, no longer wishes to be involved with the show just because he's not comfortable acting and... That's fine because originally, remember back when I didn't know how to do casting calls or anything, I was relying on family and friends. And this is a family friend who, like, did it as a favor and now is like, yep, yeah, nope, you're going to have to find someone else for season two. I convinced him to do the finale, but then after oh, this, he's yeah. out. I know, okay. I know. I'm, I'm, like, so fortunate. I'm so fortunate because, like, I feel like over a season, I can get somebody else to portray this person and it'll be a little more natural than like mid-season, like who is this? Um, the other person, it was just difficult to coordinate with and um, sometimes people ghost you and I think my advice for that since this is kind of all over the place um, is have people uh, commit, have them sign contracts. Um, if you in any way can make this official, um, for me, it was doing favors, and it's really easy for people to duck out of doing favors. And so, if you uh, if you have a project that's going to drag on, like I have for you know a year and a half, um, yes, find a way to motivate your cast to stay uh, committed to your show. So I've learned a lot there. I've learned a lot of important lessons.
0: I'm ready to sign right here. Let, let's go. I mean, I'm ready to do this.
1: For the audio listener, SP is holding up a pen and paper. That is what he's doing.
0: Yeah, actually, I actually have pen and paper around. Yeah. So, so we talked about a little bit about the sound design. We talked about the scripting process a little bit. Uh, let's talk about the tools that you're using to create the audio drama. You said you were creating your own sound. So, obviously, you got a microphone and you're creating some sounds like that. But So what are the tools that you're using script wise and audio wise and publishing wise and marketing wise?
3: I love talking about my toolkit because in the beginning, I didn't know what it was and I had to slowly build it. So let me share with you what I use so that you can take advantage of this. Um, So I get a lot of flack for using the digital audio workstation or DAW called Audacity. It's free. Um, I did start as a hobby podcaster and I didn't have a lot of money to invest. And I was like, hey, free software. Let's just do that. Um, And I still use Audacity, uh, despite the fact that it does crash from time to time. Um... But uh, so that's what I use for recording and editing and sound design. So that's the platform that I use there. Um, as far as sound effects, um, I do record some of my own. I have a little uh, handheld uh, Zoom H4N recorder that I can kind of like, I have it on like a little pole and it has a little dead cat that sits on the top and I can just take it around and record sounds. It's surprisingly hard to record your own Foley just because of all the other background sounds you never notice are there until you you're trying to record your own Foley. Um, and so uh, when that fails, uh, I will use a wonderful resource called freesound.org, uh, which is just this huge repository of everything. You can look up sounds for um, earthquakes and sounds for cats and sounds for literally anything, leaves rustling, footsteps. Uh, Just make sure when you're out there to check the license of each of the files to make sure that you are A, using it appropriately and B, giving appropriate attribution if needed. Um, But there's a wonderful library of sounds out there that have been recorded that you can play around with. Uh, if you don't have access to um, a microphone that you can use for Foley or the time to record your own Foley Um, and then as far so that's freesound.org I also use music uh, you can if you want you can invest in a composer who will create a score so the score is the music that goes underneath your podcast Um, I didn't know about scores when I started Girl in Space and so Girl in Space does not have a score there's no music if you listen to the show there's no music except for the opening theme song and the closing theme song Um, um, but there are composers out there if you would like originally composed music. There's also wonderful, wonderful resources like Incompetech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. That's run by Kevin McLeod, uh, who does a lot of wonderful podsafe music that you can go out there and download. Uh, the YouTube audio library also has some fantastic resources. And that's where I got the opening theme songs for both Right Now and for Girl in Space. Um I also wanted to touch upon resources wise. Um, I started writing Girl in Space in Google Docs because, again, it's free and I can access it. Um, I can write on my phone, I can write on my computer. Um, initially, I will do a handwritten version because I just think better when I handwrite. Um, but when I'm typing it out, I would use Google Docs. Uh, now I've, I've, I don't want to say I've graduated to using something else, but I've, uh, I've started experimenting with using Celtics or Celtics. I don't know how to pronounce it it's c e l t x and it is a free screenwriting software and what it does is it formats into that sort of traditional um screen format actually, if you give me a second, I have my script right here. I can hold up. yeah, that'd be great <gasps> Oh, um, yeah. so for those of you, yeah, so you don't don't look too closely because this is this is actually the episode thirteen script um I don't know if there's any spoilers here, but like, uh, so for those of you on video, I'm holding up, there, there we go, the the screenplay, uh, and you can see it's nice. sort of that courier formatted. It's got huge margins, um, and I take little notes in the side for my sound design about which time points are doing what. Um, are they page numbered? Yes. So
0: if the clip happens to fly off, you can stitch it all back together? <laughs>
3: Yes. Make sure you number your pages. Oh, my gosh. Number your pages. Put numbers on your pages. That is, like, just a pro tip from me to you.
1: (laughs) I'll bet that uh, Celtic software takes care of that automatically, doesn't it?
3: It absolutely does. (laughs) And it it does a lot of other things very nicely as well. And it, it gives you a way to put in sound effects so you know what a sound effect is and person speaking. All of that good stuff. It's programmed in. It's a delight to write in. I definitely recommend it. And it's free.
0: So maybe this is a decision that you need to make before you start writing, maybe after, I don't know. But what would you say to somebody as they're trying to determine their series and episode structure that they're going to start using in their audio drama?
3: Everybody has something to say about story structure. And I'm going to tell you a few things. Uh, Number one. If you took like English or language arts in school growing up, you probably know about the three act structure, which is, you know, the beginning, the middle, and the end. Every story needs to have those three elements, which I say that because not everybody knows that, because you'll listen to a lot of audio dramas that don't have a beginning, middle, and end. Um, Sometimes you can truncate the beginning if you want to like jump into the action right away, but you should know that something has happened and then. There is a point of um, something that sparks the main character to take action. So something happens. And then we have the rising action, which is the effect of that event happening. So uh, if we're talking about um, the Fellowship of the Ring, so everything's cool in the Shire, and then boom. Uh, Gandalf shows up, Bilbo has his birthday, the ring is introduced, all of a sudden Frodo Baggins has to take this ring to Mount Doom, that's the inciting element, and then that takes them up through the rising action, which is, oh, we're going on an adventure, and we're getting people to join us, and there's all of these bad guys that are coming out of the woodwork and trying to kill us. And then that takes you up to the denouement, which is the uh, sort of climax, which is are we going to throw this ring into the fire or not? And then you have the falling action, which is the four endings uh, at the end of all of the Lord of the Rings movies. Like, oh, the eagles take them away, and spoiler, I guess. And uh, they all live happily ever after. And so what you really want to see when you're doing this is not just the plot, What I like to do is focus on characters because that's really what people fall in love with. So the plot probably should be there. You should have things happen and your characters should do things and make choices and have excitement, but you really need to focus on who are these characters, what are their relationships to each other, and how are they growing or not growing? How are they impeding each other's growth? How are they impeding their own growth? So really what I like to focus on amidst the plot is good character arcs. And so your character really should start at a place, and you should sort of have an idea of how you want them to react to things, so be passive, uh, act on things, so be active, or take action, and then grow from either their success or their failure. Often, their failure. Um, And there's a lot of different ways to do this. There's the typical seven-step hero's journey, which I don't really follow. (laughs) Um, A a lot of writers do, they like that as a rubric. Um, It's a good guide and you can kind of find resources about this online. Um, But really for me, what it's all about is, okay, yeah, it's good to have a plot, it's good to have things happen, but really what people fall in love with is the characters. So I kind of try to focus all of my energy on them and how they interact. So you mentioned
1: earlier that the season finale has taken you half a year to go ahead and write. So when you have gaps like that in between, does that make you focus more on sort of the characters in the development? Or do you find yourself ever sort of backtracking on an original vision for a character as you're reworking and reworking a script?
3: It's it's really interesting. When, when you take a pantser approach like I have, you have fans of the show who are like shipping your characters, which means that they're like plotting relationships with them essentially or they're like "Ooh, I want this person and this person to fall in love or I want this person and this person to stop arguing and be friends so there's a lot of shipping that goes on and like as a creator you find out about it and it can kind of influence you a little bit um you know I set out not wanting to have like a romance plot just because i I don't know, it wasn't that kind of story, but, like, everybody's shipping all these characters together. And um, so this had a little bit of an influence on where I've gone uh, with the season. Um, as far as uh, the, the length of time uh, that has passed, um, I've gotten a lot of fan art during that time that's been, uh, that's been really cool. And it lets me know uh, which characters people care about, which has been really cool. Um, and also, uh, maybe which characters I should be writing bonus episodes about to fill the time, and you know, it's it's about um, establishing expectations too. And so, if it is very time consuming, and my audience has been vocally and visibly frustrated that this finale hasn't come out yet, and so I'll get one star reviews on iTunes from that. I'll get I've gotten a few emails that are like not nice, um, and you know, you you get a little bit of that um, because. But it's because people are so invested in your story and your characters. So I choose to see that as a good thing um, and and give people uh, things in the meantime while they're waiting that are character focused. So sharing fan art, sharing bonus episodes, um, all of this stuff. Yes, there's there's a lot to do.
1: I have a question there about the negative feedback. So SP is very active in the Reddit community and uh, there, there's something that in one of the podcasting communities that he's in just recently came up somebody asking about dealing with podcast negativity and I wanted to ask how do you deal with negativity when people are expressing things like you've just mentioned
3: if you're a podcaster, whether you're a professional whether you're a hobby you know Everybody, when you publish something, the public will have a reaction to it. And that reaction is not always positive. So, one thing um, that I tell myself, because I need to remember this sometimes too, and something else that I tell my students and the people that I work with and coach, is that your show ultimately is not for everyone. Not everyone is going to like Girl in Space, and I need to be okay with that. And, you know, getting a one star just because, like, oh, I don't like sci fi. It's like, okay. You don't have to like sci-fi. Like, this show is not for everybody. I cannot tie my ego to this thing I am producing, even though it is so close to our hearts because we think about it so much. We work so hard on it. We want everyone to love it. Everyone is not going to love your show. And that's okay. And you have to remember to tell yourself that from time to time. Um, Now, if you get hate mail, if you get just mm, something that's really uh, like a personal attack Um, there are healthy ways to deal with that. Um, you can, if you're getting these, uh, these things on Twitter, you can block the people on Twitter. You can report them. If it is, uh, racially charged or anything else, um, any kind of hate speech, uh, you can report those to Twitter. You can report those to Facebook. Um, if it's something that's coming through in an iTunes review, you can report, uh, the review if it's, if it has hate speech in it, um, you can report that and iTunes will review it and then remove it if it's hate speech. Um, if you're getting somebody, if you're getting somebody who's saying things like that to you, though, um, I always tell people, uh, don't feed the trolls. Um a, a lot of people leave negative reviews, not because they hate you or your show, but it's because they hate something in themselves. Um, they are frustrated. They are angry. they want to they want attention. They want to be noticed. they want to make waves. and they don't know how to do that other than bringing hatred and insults into the world. And so, Don't give them what they want. Don't shine a light on their hatred. Just, you know, brush it off, move on. Uh, Have a cry about it because that's the other thing is it still does hurt. Because sometimes we can't help but take those personally. Um, Talk to a friend about it. uh, Talk with another podcaster who understands about it. Talk to your spouse, sibling. Talk to people about it and then release it. You don't want to carry that burden. You don't want to carry that hate around.
0: We've been talking about how you would recommend how to do things or like the seven steps of creating a good character arc, something like that. Those are all like formats that are out there. What would you say to somebody who would want to experiment, go outside the box with their audio drama?
3: I love that question because. There's so much space right now in audio drama for experimentation. And I just gave you like crazy eyes. um, So I apologize for that, but I get really excited about this. Um, Some of the best things that you can do are uh, tell your story Um, feel free to tell your story in a way that the only thing you have to worry about is, does it make sense to the listener? You can take them on any sort of convoluted journey that you want to. You can literally do anything as long as you don't leave the reader confused or the listener confused. So making sure that if you have some kind of far out concept, if you have um, like a circular story, if you have a second person, if you have any like non-traditional story elements, make sure that that comes across for audio because this is an audio medium. Um, I've seen a lot of writers come over to audio drama just from the written word. Um, They're bloggers, they're writers, they're short story writers, they're novelists, and they're, they're not writing for audio. Um and so make sure that you're taking full advantage of what it means to write for audio that you're uh, that you're really digging into that full palette of paints, uh, so to speak, and illustrating these non-traditional experimental things in a way that lets your listener knows what's hap- know what's happening. Um because it can be as experimental as heck, and if people can follow it and know what's going on, like, that's amazing. What people don't want is to be confused. And there's some there's some experimental audio dramas that do it really well. I would recommend listening to What's the Frequency by uh, James Oliva, and I would uh, recommend listening to The Infinite Now. Um, they're both, like, off-the-wall, experimental, crazy soundscapes, psychedelic. Um, but you're never confused when you're listening to it. So I think they strike a really good balance.
0: you just give me more homework, Sarah. I'm not sure I'm comfortable yes. with this, but if it means I get to sign the deal at the end of this interview, I'm I'm good to go with that.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Once Once you show me that you've completed your homework, we're good to go.
0: Okay. So we're talking about time. I'm talking about the time it takes to listen to these awesome, and these are awesome, and they're mostly free. I haven't met one mm-hmm. that is behind a paywall. I'm sure there are, but... There are just great stuff that's available for free. And a lot of work goes into it. We say for a one-hour show the way that we do it, talking head show, it could be as much as eight or 10 hours and 12 hours a week between the prep, the publishing, the recording, and the promoting. You mentioned how long it's taken you on a couple of episodes. What could somebody expect time-wise to put into an episode of an audio drama?
3: It depends a little bit on what role's or role, or roles they're taking on. Um, So I break it down into, like, four different uh, categories, and that is, number one, the preparation, strategizing, and outlining, and sort of the the writing of the episode. So structuring the episode, writing the episode. um, For a typical Uh, So my show is just a 30-minute show. I know a lot of audio dramas are an hour or longer, but uh, each of my episodes is 30 minutes. So that's usually about a 30-page script. Uh, Usually that'll take me uh, 40 to 80 hours. Um, And I like wince when I say that because it's a long time. Um, But that script is really important. That's the basis of your show like that's where you're writing this dialogue that's where you're creating everything i even lay the foundation for the sound design within my script um uh phase two is sort of recording getting the lines from everybody doing your own recording if you are one of the voice actors um and that coordination and voice acting um usually for a 30-minute episode i can knock out um each part in about an hour or two so like that's very that's usually fairly minimal. Um, And again, if you're voicing more than one character, it'll take you longer. Um, And then the real big part comes in in phase three, which is editing and sound design. And so, okay, so for a 30-minute episode... What I do in that phase is I get everybody's lines back, and I listen to everybody's takes. Usually I have people give me two to three takes for each line. I'll find the best line so they're not making a mistake. The tone is in line with everybody else's tone. Uh, They're pronouncing all the sci-fi words correctly. (laughs) Um, And I'll start stitching those together in the order that they go in the script, Um, And that's the first step in editing. And then once all of the words are together, then I'll start illustrating with ambient sound and sound effects and explosions and whatever else goes in there. And in that phase, um, it's taken me a longer time because episode 13 is a much longer episode. But for a 30-minute episode, it usually takes me probably about 60 to 80 hours for that phase. And then, and again... I'm doing this all myself, and I want to be very clear about that. So, like, if you are outsourcing your editing to somebody else, if you are outsourcing your sound design to somebody else, that's awesome. Do that. It will take you no time. Um, But for me, I do everything myself, and so it takes me time. Um, I also learn a lot as I go. I experiment a lot as I go. So it might be a shorter time investment for you at that point. Um, And then the uh, the final phase... Um, always takes a little bit longer than you think it will. And that final phase is the post-production and marketing. So that is uh, taking my giant Audacity files, uh, turning them into a wave, converting them into an MP3, however you do that in your own process, uh, uploading that to Libsyn, which is my host, um, and then doing the marketing for it. And so I'll usually make a graphic... Uh, for Instagram. I'll make some graphics for Twitter and Facebook. I'll start crafting the messaging that I want to send along with this episode. Um, Of course, you have to write all of the metadata that goes behind the episode, uh, the episode teaser, any of that stuff. It always takes longer than I think it will for whatever reason. Um, Sharing it with my patrons, making sure it's up on Patreon. Um, And that's that final phase probably takes about four hours.
1: That's a long time. A lot, a lot of time for one episode. Don't run away
3: screaming. <laughs> it's worth it, though. How can I stress you that it's like, how can I stress that it's worth it? It's worth it.
0: Yeah. Just listen to the podcasts that are out now and you will find one and you go, wow, that's amazing. I want to do that. And yeah, I, I, if I had time, I wouldn't mind doing it. I'm not creative enough to script uh, show myself a story myself. But yeah, I want to do one. And if I want to do one, I know a bunch of other people around here that want to do one.
3: Oh, heck yes. It's so good.
0: Yeah. Another question that our listeners are very keen on is cost. So we're kind of all over the place from using free tools to using a professional editor and paid voice actors versus the neighbor down the street. But how would you frame the cost per episode of an audio drama?
3: So for me, I'll just talk about material costs. So I use a Blue Yeti. So 120 bucks. Um, I have a a piece of audio foam that I use that I got for $30. Uh, I have my computer. I have my free software. Um, I think that it depends on... um, So I'm self-employed, and so I charge my time to myself, and we won't get into Mm. that here because that's like running your own business. That's like a completely different episode. Um, But I think really... When it comes down to it, I'm just really charging for the digital time because um, I'm using free music, I'm using family and friends as my actors. Um, so really, it just comes down to $20 a month for my Libsyn hosting, so 20 bucks. But again, that's discounting uh, if my time is worth $150 an hour, you know, this is a, a, lot, of, a lot of money going into this podcast. So it, it kind of depends how you look at it.
0: You don't want to know the cost that's going into this podcast because my cost per hour is just outrageous.
1: He charges me. I I have a very, very large debt to pay.
0: (laughs) Sarah, I want to take this time to thank you for your time. I know you're very busy. You got a lot of irons in the fire right now. You've been very vocal about everything, including trying to get episode 13, the finale for (laughs) season one of Girl in Space, out the door. You've also continuing to release episodes of Right Now and do your home business as you. said so i just want to thank you very much for your time today i know it was difficult not only scheduling in today but also the former time where we couldn't go because of steven's technical issues
3: don't even worry about that i am so delighted and honored to be on this show with both of you this has just been such a fantastic experience i love talking about audio drama i will happily come on and talk about it at any time so just let me know this has been a, a fantastic experience well thank
1: you very much do really appreciate it. And even though you said it's fine, I will thank you again publicly on this podcast right now, because I actually told the story a couple of weeks ago about my tech failure. And I didn't name names, but I said we had a guest that was very, very accommodating to us. So I want to highlight right now that Sarah was that wonderful guest. So thank you very much.
3: For those of you who are listening, I'm giving them heart hands. Aww.
0: Well, thank you very much. And if people are interested in learning more about your Right Now podcast, maybe they want to learn how to write a little bit better, or maybe they want to hear Girl in Space, where can they go to connect with your content?
3: You can find all of my things out at sarahwerner.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-W-E-R-N-E-R.com. You'll notice that uh, both the Right Now podcast with Sarah Werner and Girl in Space are out there on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And of course, if you'd like to listen, they are available to subscribe to, which is weird English, out on, let's see, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play whatever they're calling it these days. (laughs) Um, Pretty much any podcatcher or podcast app that you'll use will have both of the shows out there. Um, And I hope you enjoy listening to them.
0: Welcome to this week's Better
1: Podcasting Download. This week in the Better Podcasting Download, we have something that a few different people are talking about in the industry, uh, a few different companies to be specific, and it's all to do with a company called Deezer. What exactly is going on there, SP, with Deezer?
0: Well, Deezer is another distribution point. It's a streaming service like Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora. And they have now partnered up with some of the main podcast hosting players to be able to insert your show, to uh, submit your show to their directory so that you can be on one of the main streaming hubs internationally. Now, Deezer is more known for its international streaming and apps than here in the United States. And if you want to have more of an international audience, this is another place where you can distribute your content to. I know one of the podcast media host services that we recommend, Libsyn, is already partnering with Deezer. There's a couple more out there that have announced their partnerships as well. So Libsyn doesn't have an exclusive deal. But it is good to see another main distribution hub opening up its doors to podcasters, specifically independent podcasters, as the companies will call them. We'll call them hobby podcasters here on Better Podcasting. So it's great to see this becoming more mainstream with more of the streaming apps out there.
1: Also, while there is a couple different companies that are posting about destinations, there is actually a Deezer article that is dated from a month ago. And it says how to get your podcast on Deezer. Uh, Quote, we love podcasts. If you're a podcaster or podcast representative, read on to find out how you can get your podcast on Deezer and expand your reach to millions of our active users. End quote. And then there's a whole section about how to submit your podcast to Deezer. It goes to say that Deezer is managing the content offered on its service and sort of explains a little bit about how that process all works. But they do recommend that that you submit your content through hosts. There is a separate podcast submission form, though, right below that. It's a hyperlink to, they call it a Deezer podcast submission form, if you're not on one of those hosts. Now, what's interesting about this is there's been a lot of people today and yesterday, um, primarily Libsyn and Blueberry, going and posting all about Deezer. But in the recommended list that's on here, they have Audio Boom, Asha, Libsyn, Blueberry, Buzzsprout, Podbean, Podigy, Podcaster.de, Podomatic, Spreaker, Simplecast, Pippa, Anchor, Blog Talk Radio, Castos, and Wushka are all listed there individually. So I'm not sure what exactly changed between yesterday and a month ago because this is dated a month ago or if this is just a backdated article, but I will definitely put that in the show notes because there is a manual Deezer podcast submission form if you're not on one of those providers that are listed there as having the ability to submit through the company. Again, that's available on Deezer.
0: If you are on one of those listed podcast media services, I would recommend that you, and you're planning on staying there, I would recommend that you submit through there because there's going to be some things like statistics that can get passed a little bit easier. And if you make a change to your feed, it can be done a little bit better if they have specific feed requirements with their RSS feed, either per episode or the RSS feed in of itself. So I would recommend that. That's not to say that All podcast media hosts will have that special service, but I would just go ahead and do that. And if you're planning on staying with that service for a while, if you think that service is going to be around for a while, if you think your podcast is going to be around for a while, that is the planning that I would do there. But there is nothing that prevents you from going VFR direct and into the actual uh, Deezer on your own. We've seen before with Spotify where there was an issue where the people that submitted directly actually got better service initially than the podcast media hosts that did the direct submit. But you have to think long term. And if there's going to be changes in the RSS feed or the way that these apps actually suck up the feed, it's probably best to go through your podcast media host. That's just my recommendation. You can do your due diligence and decide what you want to do on your own because it's hobby podcasting. It's your show. You can do whatever it is you want. You don't have to follow by their rules.
1: And also, I'm going to get into the better pod back in a moment where we talk a little bit about things that have come up to us individually or in Discord. And this past week in our Discord, there was a bit of a conversation about bitrate. And I wanted to highlight. On the technical specifications that they have on this article, they are actually recommending a 128 kilobit per second bitrate. So bitrate's been something that has been highly debated in podcasting over the last couple of years. It's something that I know I got a little hot water myself early on in the run of Better Podcasting for my opinion on it. But I think we can all agree we've seen an evolution on expectations in bitrate. And some people are still going below 128 kilobits per second. That's not to say you have to, because they actually are saying brackets recommended. But I'm just saying that this is something that they are recommending. You're at 128 kilobits per second. So could that change to a requirement in the future? Who knows? I'm doubtful at this time because the current accepted standard is well below that. But I did want to mention it right now.
0: So, Stephen, is that 128 kilobits per second stereo or mono, or it does not specify?
1: It does not specify, but it's something that they are saying 128, and it'll be interesting to see how they interpret that.
0: Right, because I could see 128 kilobits per second being a, a stereo minimum. Actually, I would go higher than that personally, but I think it's still fine with 96 kilobits per second. I mean, we can have this talk at another time, but just be careful when you're looking at these specifications, there's stereo and there's mono. So make sure you're determining which one is which as you're trying to go for the minimum to get on some of these platforms.
1: Great point. Let's go ahead and move on to that better pod back. Last week, I was thrown under the bus by my wonderful co-host here, Stargate Pioneer.
0: Oh, no, not just me. Jen also threw you under the bus. That
1: is fair, but I will blame you. And I was made out to be the bad guy for cutting some feedback from none other than wonderful, regular, better podcaster, Damien, the DM. He's always talking with us in a variety of places. And Damien, the DM, had a message that I was supposed to read out back at episode 191, but we were long on time, so I couldn't do it. And we had to pull that out, to which last week SP mentioned that I would have to come in and talk about it. So I will go ahead and do that. And it was actually a good piece of feedback. And it all started with a user called Jack2231, in our Discord server, which is available at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. He said, is it a good idea to start your own Discord for your podcast? There was a few different opinions in there, but Damien said, quote, Discord is free. I wouldn't say it's a bad idea. Just don't expect a ton of people to join unless you're huge. Our Discord, which is referring to his Discord, not the Better Podcasting Discord, Our Discord is mostly gaming friends, so definitely have realistic expectations. And I really, really like this because it did highlight that it's free and sometimes it's worth taking a chance if it's not costing you anything because you never know who's going to engage. And that's the case with the Gunna Geek Discord. I don't think we thought we were going to get as many people as we have had over there.
0: And also just keep in mind that if you are going to create a space somewhere or you're going to be engaged somewhere that you keep engaging on a regular basis with your listeners, with the space. I mean, if you start an Instagram account, you know, post regularly, I don't think three times a day is what you need to do, but at least a couple of times a week. And that would keep the account from looking stagnant. And if you start a Discord server, you're going to have to be in there every day Not necessarily seeding it with questions, but to interact with the different people that are posting, to welcome people that are coming by to check you out, and just to ask questions about what's going on or promote different things. I would be engaged a little bit more in a chat type of forum like the Discord server is than I would in social media. So just keep that in mind. You're going to have to be engaged with wherever you're at. But if it's a community and it's a chat room based community, you're going to have to be a little bit more engaged than not.
1: Moving on to our next piece of Discord feedback that I curated. What do we have next, SP?
0: Oh, Damian, the DM from Aurelia pod said, speaking of the L12, it's down at its all time low again, right when I can't spend the money I was saving for it. I oh, hate that when that happens. So Damien's been eyeing the Zoom L12, which is what Stephen's using to produce this podcast right now. We've had it for a couple of years, and it's still, for what we do, the best device out there. And Damien has done his research and he has honed in on the Zoom L12 as the perfect piece of gear to do his production. He live streams a multi-person playing tabletop game. And so he needs a lot of channels. He needs a lot of uh, reference uh, headphone input jacks. And the L12 is what it is going to be able to give him the best recording capability. So he's really looking forward to it. It has been out a couple of years, so the price point keeps going down a little bit. And he is honing in on it. So just if you, keep in mind if you're looking at some gear, it will, especially if it's on like Amazon, it will keep going in the sales prices down every once in a while. Don't go ahead and buy it at the high point if you can get by without it for a little bit. Because it could save you $100, $200. And Damien is finding that out right now. So thank you very much for keeping us all informed on the price point of the L12, Damien.
1: And the last thing that we wanted to talk about before we moved off of this was we had Damien the DM from Aurelia Pod, say, I got my shout-out in reference to the shout-out that SP and Jen gave him last week. So there you go. Damien got a shout-out last week. He got a shout-out this week. He got another shout out this week. You got a lot of shout outs this week. So, Damien, we hope that we have made you happy and that you are a satisfied better podcaster.
0: And you can find his content at Aurelia Pod, and all, everywhere you can get podcasts. Aurelia Pod. That's E R Y L I A Pod, P O D.
1: We'd love to see you in our Discord server. Please come over to betterpodcasting.com slash discord and while you're there hang out with some of the other awesome Gunna Geekers that are in the Gunna Geek Discord and you can find all of the awesome geeky content at GunnaGeekNetwork.com we have a lot of really great content creators over there but that's going to go ahead and wrap it up so for episode 193 of Better Podcasting, I'm Steven John Drew saying thank you very much Sarah for coming on this week thank you Jen for coming on last week And a special secret shout out and thank you to SP and Josh Liston.
0: Thank you very much to all our listeners and subscribers. We look forward to seeing you back next week. See ya. Bye. Wing Dinger.
2: Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.